Welcome to today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast. This is part of the Ohio University Sports Administration series, Life After Court Street, Season 2. Uh, really looking forward to spending some time with my co-host, Laura Waters-Brown, uh, as well as our guests today in Rashawn Brown uh, from the 12th Man Foundation at Texas A&M, also co-founder of Screenskins, and Brian Brantley, Director of Major Gifts at the Rose Bowl Legacy Foundation. Um, just excited to talk to both of you about your fundraising experience and uh, obviously different parts of the country, different career paths along the way. Um, but nonetheless, welcome. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having us. Brian, let's just start off with you because uh, Rose Bowl would have been just a short time ago and uh, you guys have obviously been busy around the holidays, but but what does fundraising for the Rose Bowl Legacy Foundation look like? Um, and, and how did you get there in terms of your roles along your career? Sure. Uh, the Legacy Foundation was uh, started back in 2010. Um, you know, basically the, the short version is to protect, preserve, and enhance the Rose Bowl Stadium. So, you know, when you look at the uh, Los Angeles market, for to me, it's one of the most competitors in not only in the country, but in the world, because you have, you know, uh, you know, we're the home of UCLA football since 1982. So but across town, you have the Coliseum, which is the home of USC. You have the new football stadium in SoFi uh, with the Chargers and the Rams. You've got LAFC and uh, Bank of California Stadium. You've got uh, Disney Health uh, with uh the LA Galaxy. So you have this market, not only for sports, but for entertainment. So uh, the the uh, Legacy Foundation was formed in 2010 to keep the stadium alive, return 100 years young this year in 2022. And, uh, and to be that, you have to kind of keep up with the Joneses, so to speak. So uh, we are a 501c3. Um, and a lot of people don't know that like a stadium would have a 501c3, uh, the stadium itself. Um, I came to, to come to the Rose Bowl Legacy Foundation through uh, Dean Ambrosino, who's our chief development officer here at the Rose Bowl Stadium, and uh, he's, he's one of the best uh, and, uh, that I've ever worked with. So uh, to work with him is, is pretty amazing in, in the Rose Bowl staff. But I came down in 2018 uh, after working at Cal Poly, uh, San Luis Obispo. And um, also in fundraising and came on board here as they were trying to expand the staff. So um, it's been a, uh, a, an awesome undertaking. We're in the middle of a $40 million campaign. We're 85% there. So uh, we're, we're excited where we're going, going here into the centennial. Rashawn, talk a little bit about the 12th Man Foundation, kind of how you got started and what your journey's been uh, after Court Street. Yeah, well, yeah. Similar to uh, what, what Brian said, we're, we're a 501c3. So our mission is essentially just to um, support championship athletics through scholarship, facilities, tickets, and service. So in the 12th Man Foundation, uh, it's split into three different departments. You have ticket sales and development, which is kind of a hybrid, which I work in. And then you have annual funding, you have major gifts. So with us, it's a unique situation um, because the, the way that our department is very, how, how can I put it? It's, it's tradition, it's, it's built on a lot of tradition. So our donors really give at an enormous level, which is unique compared to what I've seen across the country. Um, so I've gotten there in, 20, I've been there since 2018 and it was a unique story. So in 
I want to say 2015, I was at the Darren Butler Sports Symposium at Ohio University, and I had met a gentleman, uh, Justin Morgan, and he was trying to recruit me to come work for West Virginia after I graduated. I said, I don't want to work in sales. <laughs> I do not want to work in sales. And he, um, he was just like, no, you should try. You could be good at it. I said, nah, I don't want to work in sales. So upon graduating, I went to work for the Big East Conference. I was working under Tracy Ellis Ward, and then I went back to the grad program. And after I was graduating, had offers from Kansas, um, looking at uh, Missouri also in the Learfield side, going into sales. Who would have not? Full circle, come back to sales. So I talked to Justin. I wanted to reach out to kind of get his opinion on, you know, what what does sales look like? What does that industry look like? Do you think I can succeed? So after a few conversations, he said, let me know what you want to do. And then we'll talk before you make your final decision. So before I made my final decision, I called him. I was going to go to Kansas which it, it was a weird situation happened to Kansas shortly after that. But I called him and he said, hey, I just got this director's role at Texas A&M and I want you to come with me. I said, okay, Texas A&M, never heard of it in my life. <laughs> was there, I mean, I, I've heard of Johnny Manziel, but I've never heard of like Texas A&M College Station. But for him to, you know, believe in me and, and you know, see that I could be, you know, great or, you know, that he trusted in me to come there and build this program with him because we're the first sales team to come into Texas A&M in the 12th Man Foundation. So I'll run through a wall for Justin and I wanted to prove him right in, in what he thought of me. So I've been there since 2018 and, and we've been we're rolling. I have so many questions. Let's start with, I didn't know, like when you walked in, were you like, I've never heard of Texas A&M. Like, did you actually, is that the first time you said that out loud? No, like I never, like I've never really thought about Texas A&M. You got to think too, like this is 2018. Johnny Manziel had been going for years, so I haven't really thought about A&M. So, and I never, and I didn't visit the campus at all when I was hired in the process. I literally, I, um, I talked to Justin. I interviewed. They flew me into Houston for a few hours, and then flew me right back to Cleveland. And I had a job. And a few months later, I moved to College Station blindly. <laughs> Google Maps, Google, Google Earth, like you're good. Right. You you. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know anything. I didn't know what I was getting into. And when I got there, um, oh. we had Jim, one of Jimbo's first coaches nights. And I called my mom and said, yeah, this is a cult. <laughs> <laughs> Rashawn, can, yeah. I, can I ask a question? Like if you when when you're making the decision to move somewhere, is there something on the list that's like, OK, if this place doesn't have this, I can't go there? No, for me personally, it was just for the de development of myself. I didn't really care about, you know, but I trusted Justin and his leadership and I said I was going to follow him. Um, so I didn't really look at anything else. But when I got here, I kind of I'm not going to lie. The first six months, I said I regretted it <laughs> from a social life aspect, not from a job aspect. See, I was just going to say, like Costco and Trader Joe's, as long as those two things are where you're living, you're, you're OK. I don't, I don't even think we have those. Costco and Trader Joe's, Jake? Yeah, those are the those two. Those are your things. two? Like, if there's yeah. not a Costco or Trader Joe's, I'm not moving there? Those I've are learned. your two. I've learned, yeah. We have a Target and HEB. <laughs> we have different lists. We have completely different lists, Jake. I know we do. I need I know more we do. than okay. a Costco. <laughs> Brian, how great is Costco? Costco is great. Costco is fantastic. You got a membership of Costco, you're good to go. For like the next two years you're good so oh yeah look yeah. the gas prices the way they are right now 
Yeah. You will find me in the Costco gas line every Saturday. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> I just plug Thanks in. Email, so I'm good. See, there you go. You yeah. got he's already on the EV train. Yeah, but it's that California thing. It's that California thing. You don't get anxiety when it looks like it's about to die when you're driving yeah. around. Nope. Nope. I'm all good. It works out just I great. I would be terrified. <laughs> those long drives. I would be terrified. It's all great. What's um we we were talking to some other alums um a little bit ago and they they two were talking about obviously just on the sales side and with being in the foundation and Brian with you being a 501c3 it's a similar process you got to get people to give money to keep the lights on right so talk a little bit about how in your experience or in your career you kind of seen or if you have or have not seen the target audience kind of shifts like your donors the people that you are going after that demographic are they shifting are their interest shifting are their um desires to give shifting uh from my perspective i i yeah there's a shift i i think there's but it's it's a more uh i it, i always say people give to people um and so whatever it is that you are fundraising for, whether it's here at the stadium as the 12th Man Foundation and Texas A&M, it's like people will give to uh, what they're passionate about. That will never change um, or what they care about. They might, the, the amounts might change because of where we are as the world goes, but, and, and where they are in their, in their business cycle and their uh, work cycle. Um, but they're going to give to what they're passionate about and people give to people. So has it changed? Yes. But what the core of why people give and what they give to hasn't. I, I still think like, you know, it, it is, Rashawn just said, like Texas a it's a cult, right? So there's those people who are passionate about Texas A&M uh, at the university and athletic program and all that, they're going to give. People who are passionate about, uh, our, our situation is a little bit different, but uh, giving to a stadium, but people are passionate about the Rose Bowl um, being around for 100 years, and and people will continue to do so. So, from my and, and I would say for us the shift, like we have to, I don't, I don't say necessarily like we compete, but we have three other fun foundations on campus. We have the Association of Former Students, which are all alum that are donating annually, and then we have the um, Texas A&M Foundation, where you know you're giving your major gifts towards you know engineering school of engineering school of medicine all those different things you have us that's in the middle where that you know that tie to athletics so for for me the demographic we see a lot donating is the older demographic that that's where it started at. it starts at the top and then it trickles down so you see it in family so that's why we do a lot of linear transfers and things because they want to keep that in the family so all they know from a young age is to donate that process is started from when they get on campus they join you know go to fish camp they graduate association of former students, then they start to donate to the 12th Man Foundation. So that cycle is starting to get there. What we've seen that has disrupted that is the fact now you have the secondary market where people don't have to give in athletics to get to a certain seat. So you see like the younger demographic, they're just like, hey, we'll spend five, $10,000 to go to the game. Recent story, someone at a and paid $50,000 for two seats in one of our non-premium areas <laughs> for our game against Alabama, which is weird. But here we see it's just more so grandpa, 
mom, dad, and, and that's why their sons and grandkids, they continue to give and want to come to Texas A&M. Their passion lies with wanting Texas A&M to be the best school, the best athletic program in Texas. So even now we've seen another shift, right? We're bringing Texas and Oklahoma back. We're now, our, we're at capacity, our donors are giving, why? Because we're competing with that school that we don't like and we want to be better than them. So it really just all for Texas A&M, it really just lies in tradition and like, hey, I'm supposed to give back. My grandpa, my grandpa, my great grandfather, my mom, my dad, they give back. I, I have to give back. So that's where you kind of see their, their passion lies more so in the tradition and the family and that pride of us being better than any other school in Texas. Does, does the method of fundraising and how you go about asking for money, Brian to, to Rashawn, like his situation and, you know, going off of tra tradition, like that storytelling is a much different storytelling than what you're trying to do. And you right. might even be going after like corporate gifting in a way too, right? So what, what's the biggest difference there? And, and what are you seeing? Because you came from college athletics too. Right. So that's, you, you've seen both sides. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it is different. This is this is a special entity because a lot of people say, well, why do you have to do fundraising? You just had the Rolling Stones or you just had this, you know, but we are uh, we are owned by the city of Pasadena. And, uh, you know, we hadn't taken this until last year during the pandemic. You know, we hadn't taken a subsidy sent from the city of Pasadena in, you know, 15, 16 years or something like that. So we uh, it's a different kind of model as far as fundraising uh, and the people that we're looking at. So yeah, it's corporate, it's individuals. It's, uh, you know, we just received a, a $10 million grant, which is great, but, uh, you know, for the shuttered venues grant, uh, which is fantastic for us. But at the same time, you know, but we lost 25 million as a stadium during the pandemic. So, you know, all, we're trying to push this all forward um and and our demographics of our fundraising and how we do it is is kind of one of the things that attracted me to the job in the first place because you're not just set in a box you you we're, we're we have all kinds of things that we're we're fundraising for whether it's a historical marker so we have historical markers for you know Peyton Manning played his first college game here at the Rose Bowl so uh the starting quarterback Todd Helton got hurt and Peyton Manning uh, had to come into the game. Uh, we're doing a marker for uh, Coach Eddie Robinson of Grambling. We're doing a marker for the Universe 06 Texas uh, for that you know win against USC and arguably the greatest college football game. So we're recognizing our history as a stadium because we're the only stadium, five Super Bowls, two World Cups, two Olympic Games with a third on the way, and we're actually in a running for the 2026 World Cup. So there's a lot of history here and we're like a walking museum. We are Wrigley Field slash, you know, uh, Fenway Park. Um, we're America Stadium. So our fundraising efforts, uh, convey, uh, you know, cover a large ground uh, and a large, so that's, you're able to go into a corporate meeting or you're able to talk to an individual. Um, it's all open on the table, which is really kind of, kind of exciting in a lot of ways because it's really an open canvas. So I have a follow-up question mm -hmm. and you may or may not know the answer to this. Okay. Bitcoin, crypto. Yeah. When, if anything, if ever, do you think you guys will start taking, or are you taking crypto yeah. uh, into, you know, your fundraising and, <laughs> or will we see either 
team, organization, or facility in the metaverse? You know, it's a great question. I, I will say from our perspective, it's, I, the irony of you asking this question is we have people that are, we're having those discussions. So to see how that fits into our model and how do we fit it in our model. So not yet, but we, we, we are uh, learning on how and, and understanding it better. Yeah, for, for us too, we're, we're discussing it. Um, I mean, like, again, we have a lot of companies and people offer us stock. The thing is that, I, I don't know, Brian, you guys discussed this um, mm -hmm. there, but when we, when we like obtain that, we, we cash it in right away. So again, you're not, you're not really getting that value of the Bitcoin because it's, you, you really want to keep it, right? So when you're exchanging stock, we're exchanging that right away. So I think those are conversations that are being had. But I mean, I think that we will ultimately start to take Bitcoin. But again, the, the value of it, right? You, it, it has to cure. So you, it, it's tricky on, on both ends, but we have discussed it. I'm just what? saying my Bitcoin numbers are going up. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, we got uh, to see the Rose Bowl. State. We got to see the stadium in the metaverse. I know, right? Yeah, you know, it, it, <laughs> we're, we're working on it. We're like, we, we, we have, uh, you know, the, the challenge is, and again, this goes back to what I was saying, we're owned by the city of Pasadena. So whatever we do, you know, it has to kind of go through all the, the red tape, a lot more red tape than if we were at a university um, uh, or another private organization. So when you're a public owned stadium, there's only, I think, eight or nine of them, and they're similar to us. Uh, they're owned by a municipality. It's like, you, you know, you want to do that. You want to go down that road, but then you've got to get, you know, everybody on the same page. And it's, you know, that's, that's the tough part. Yeah. And Laura, speaking back to like, you know, talking about that cycle of, of, of donating and, you know, demographics, I think as we get a few years down the road, you'll see that because a lot of those under 40 people that they have Bitcoin, they've invested in Bitcoin, they invest in those things. So I'll start, you'll start to see those transactions happen, you know, rather yeah. soon. Yeah, and that's a great point, Rashawn, because I think that's one of the things that I think a lot of organizations who are doing fundraising have to understand is that that demographic, you're not going to see a lot as many stock transfers as you see now. You're going to see those transfers of, of that. So that's the thing that I think people have to get ahead of uh, in this fundraising you know, sphere is they better get a handle on that because they're not going to see like, oh, go out and do you know stock transfer. Yeah, that's going to be the people who are much on the older end of the spectrum. The younger spectrum is going to be the Bitcoin and all that. Maybe the Robinhood accounts will just transfer. You know, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll go that route. But I, but to that point, Brian, like the creativity is there in how you fundraise. Like I think the, the common maybe misconception of fundraising is just like straight dialing for dollars, which like, yes, are you calling on people? Absolutely. But, yeah. you know, you're talking about stock transfers and this that and the other and being creative about how you're fundraising like mm -hmm. can each of you kind of give a tidbit of of something that you've noticed kind of in your fundraising career thus far of like oh this was to Rashawn's point about sales like this is not what I thought but this is this is neat yeah yeah no there's yeah there's there's so many great creative people out there I think on the fundraising point I think you I, I always go back to the grassroots type stuff, right? You know, you, you, you learn from there and that's your foundation and you kind of grow. And, and so there's so many, um, you know, the, the golf tournament days, you know, are, I, I, people always say they're, they're numbered. You're still always going to have a nice golf tournament fundraiser and all that. We're doing uh, what we're calling uh, the party of the century. Uh, we're going to have it on the field. 
uh, here at the Rose Bowl, one shot. Uh, you know, we're gonna, it's a Roaring Twenties themed party. Um, I know other universities have done field parties, but this is the party of all parties. So we're gonna have a speakeasy and all those other things. Because you know, um, so we are looking to bring in all of these people who are part of our history, not only in the past, obviously, but where we're going. And uh, we're excited about that. It was supposed to be uh, back during the pandemic year in 2020. And uh, so, but we, but since it was pushed, we are able to do it here in 2022 uh, and hopefully on our birthday, October 28th. So uh, you'll hopefully hear a lot about that. But to, to me, that kind of stuff um, uh, the, from the fundraising perspective uh, is awesome. So I think that, that's that creativity that I think folks, if you're in the right space, you can do and say, hey, look, let's try this. And if you have the right people in charge, like, yeah, let's go for it. Let's let's put it in and, and let's run with that. So and see what happens, because I think you're going to have to do that as time moves on. I really do. I think you're going to have to come up with interesting ways to get attract to what we're trying to say, those, that younger demographic to come to those events. Yeah. And, and same with us. That's what we're doing, like more so focusing on that middle tier to younger donor and, and how we can really, you know, foster that relationship and build that relationship where we kind of get them through that that cycle right so we're looking at we, we do different events we host different events right now our focus is young alumni we're hosting different events on thursdays and fridays of game weeks we're trying to update you know their their membership benefits etc where it crosses over and they can get better seats and they're not in the, in the the nosebleeds etc so for us that's what we're really looking at and then we're adding on a new team to our annual fund that are going to go out in the road and actually you know, reach out to these these middle level donors because they feel like, hey, you know, A and M only reaches out to you know the rich guys or the poor guys, but they don't they don't care about me and my dollars. So we're really looking at just to grow that that middle level annual fund at that seven hundred and fifty to twenty five hundred dollar level. And we've seen a lot of you know good feedback because they're not used to you know Rashad coming to sit in their living room or taking them out to lunch or you know just doing those things. So those are things that we're doing just to meet our our other donors where we seem to more so like cater to the higher level donor. And Rashad, I would have there. There's that's a great point as well because. Um, you know, a lot of people, when you say fundraising, people freak out. Oh, you got to, I got to give, you know, $100,000. I don't have $100,000. Like, no, 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 no. You know what I mean? And and that's why I liked, uh, you know, Clemson's model for a long time, the IPTE. Um, you know, I pay 10 a year. That was, you know, and it builds that uh, legacy, as you were talking about earlier. And, and that type of stuff is fantastic. So, yeah, and for us, it's more so like, you know, not that transactional relationship. Yeah. Exactly. So you're, you're having a relationship and you build that they become close with you. And for me, that's how I've you know, got a lot of my fundraising dollars. I, you know, build a relationship. Now I'm, they're taking me out. They're doing things. But yep. you take someone from that $750 level to, oh, yep. I have the capacity to give $50,000, $100,000. And that's where we see a lot of those things happening. And that's why we're really focused on that. They have the capacity, but sometimes it's just their relationship. They're, they're not, they don't understand what's going on most of the time. And then they don't feel like you really care about them. So just having that face to a name and just having that personal relationship to really understand what the foundation is doing, what's coming up, what can I be more involved in, that, that'll bring someone in and, and that'll give them the capacity. You know, obviously give the people, people give the people, really do. I love it. Look, if it if you just need, you know, $250 a year, Rashawn, and I get a free lunch, I we can talk. I didn't even, I didn't even go to A&M, but we can definitely talk about that um, if that's an option. 
Hey, we'll, we'll take it. You agree? Two fifty. I can do that. <laughs> I can do that. Laura, what do you think? Rapid fire. Well, I have one more question. I have one more question. We'll get to rapid fire because, you know, as the lone woman on this call, I've got to represent for my ladies. So knowing that two thirds of the world's wealth will be owned by women by 2030 and that women make 85% of the financial decisions in the household, how are you changing or adjusting your strategies to now go after, not after, because that sounds creepy, but to encourage more women to get involved and or to benefit women, women initiatives, women's sports, things like that. Yeah, uh, from, you know, I, we are, I, we have a, um, one of my coworkers, Kelly Gill, uh, she's actually working on a lot of these programs that were really well to get people involved here at the Rose Bowl, to your point. Uh, when I was at the Harlem Globetrotters, uh, you know, we did a, a big study back then when I was with them. And one of the things was we learned was, you know, the entertainment decisions uh, were being made by mom and they were deciding who, where we're going for the weekend and all that. And that was, and they were really controlling the financial decisions and everything else. And so we had to make sure that that was taken into account and the same thing here. And that stuck with me. And so now we have, we're, you know, a women's fundraiser poker tournament, you know, a women's, we're actually working with Dr. Jen Welter, um, was the first, you know, female football coach. She's actually on our advisory board for the Rose Bowl Institute. And uh, I just talked to her, we're actually doing a program with her um, coming up uh, during Super Bowl uh, here at the Rose Bowl. So uh, it all, those are the type of things that it's, it's spot on. It's the way we're going and, and involving uh, all our, a lot of our trips, our donor trips um, and things like that. So uh, it, for us, it's on the forefront um, at the Rose Bowl um, where we're going and all the programming that we're doing as we move forward. And, and for us, I would say it's more, it's authentic. It's more organic, right? Because now I, I deal with a lot of people face-to-face, -face, family, et cetera. The, the, the women are making the decisions. I can't ask the husband to do anything. He's, I have to go talk to the boss. I have to go talk to the CEO. So for us at the foundation, I mean, we're, we're dealing a lot with the wives. They, they make a lot of decisions. And then they're always around too. Like when we have, like we just had our board of trustees meetings, the, the, the wives are there, they're making their presence known. And then we cater a lot of our stuff towards, towards us, like our, our donor trips, that's who we're working with. So for us, I don't know if it can speak to you, Brian, but we're, we're dealing with the wives and the moms on a day-to-day -day basis because they make the decisions. And always. maybe it's a culture thing down here, down South. No. But yeah, they, they make okay. decisions it, it, everywhere. I, I'm telling you, everywhere, every spot I've been, whether I was at American University, University of Memphis, Cal Poly, it does not matter. The Mom, moms and the wives are making the decisions, and they definitely run by there, run through that you know part of the of the field, so to speak, and and uh, to make that final decision: Are we going to do this? So it is again, people give to people, and if you truly believe in those relationships, and it's really real, they understand, they know why you're there. So you, so if you know and you know this and you going in and it's genuine, it's going to work. It's, it really is. And down the road, it might not happen immediately, but it will work down the road. And if you and if you impress the wife, she'll she'll make the husband do oh, it. Yeah, no, that's what, that's exactly right. That's exactly. I'm just glad y'all recognize the power of shit. <laughs> 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 
what's what's great is like i don't i don't even feel like we have to be on this like brian and rashawn could just go back and forth all day with it'd be great um i know that's the next segment that's right that's right you guys are now the co-hosts um well rapid fire let's let's uh wrap up this episode laura you go first as always yeah so these are our fun questions so top of your mind not deep in thought these should not be this is more for jake these should not be a thought-provoking have to explain multi-word answer right it's just one or the other okay cool all right so First things up, remembering back to your time in Court Street, is it bronies or poppers? Bronies. That was a simultaneous. <laughs> well done, Rashad. There you go. All Side right. note to all the OU students that are listening. Take this down to bronies and get a sponsorship. There you go. Uh, pretzels or Cheez-Its? Ooh, that's a good one. Pretzels. Rashawn? Uh, I thought I said pretzels. Yeah, he said oh, pretzels. pretzels. I think we said it at the same time. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> you guys are too much on the same page. I know. I love <laughs> oh, man. Okay, okay. I'm going to have to think about a good one so I can get a different answer, hopefully. Um, okay, okay. Here's a good one. Pumpkin pie or sweet potato pie? Sweet potato pie. Sweet potato pie for me. <laughs> sweet potato. I think I think we're gonna have to keep going until we get a different answer. That wasn't a wrong. That wasn't wrong. That was not wrong. I was just, you know, that wasn't wrong. Sweet potato pie. Well, I'm I'm gonna ask this one because I know Brian, what Brian's got now based on uh, earlier in this episode. Yeah. Uh, truck or SUV? <laughs> it was like the same thing. No, they're different. Definitely yeah. the same thing. <laughs> like the same thing all right fine fine then ev or gas we'll go yeah, with that route i, I i'm going That's to where e i was gonna go yeah i i'm going down the ev road and, and it's awesome i love it man I, I'll, I'll stick with gas i had a we were in atlanta of over thanksgiving and i had the tesla we're in the tesla and just coming from family events driving around atlanta you got to go sit at a a, a port for like 30, 40 minutes no, of charge to go no, back. No, no, no. That's only, that's only, yeah, no. Because that, <laughs> that might, let's put it this way. My Tesla is, I have it well managed right now. So it's all good. It's, it's like looking at your phone and your phone is about to die and trying to find a charger. You got to uh, drop around and get to a port. But when you're, <laughs> you're running around a restaurant with a plug. <laughs> you're watching Netflix and you're watching Disney Plus in there while you're charging for 35 minutes. It's great. Catch up on an episode of something and, Next thing I know, you're off and running. Yeah, that I mean that thing that that yeah, it's too much going on on that screen. Like everything but driving. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> I did hear they're talking about doing like battery rentals. So rather than you having to plug in, you can just go to the metaverse place or whatever and grab a new battery and swap it out. There's Everything's in the metaverse in my brain at this point in time. I don't even know what it is, but. Right. Well, I will tell you this. There's a lot of places now, whether it's your apartment building, sports buildings that have chargers. So you go in, you go to your event, you plug in, you come out, you got a full charge, you drive home. And you didn't have to go to the gas station. Yeah, it's always it's always fun and games. So that person without an EV parks <laughs> in the EV spot. Have you and seen, now you're SOL. Have you seen California gas prices? You Trust me, you don't want to. You don't want to. I've seen them. Yeah. And I know. 
Laura, Laura, you know how you said like thought provoking? I asked a quick question, but it, it, it started a lot of thoughts. So I'm it sorry. is because it all comes back to gas prices being astronomical. It all comes back to gas prices being completely unacceptable at this point in time. And they're not getting any better. We got, like, we got one more one more from you, Laura, and then I'll wrap it up. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I have any more. I feel like I'm now stuck in this brain of gas prices. But what I will say is to my fellow men on this phone, on this uh, podcast situation, if you want to impress, we found this on our last session. If you want to impress the women, okay, do not give them a men's fitted polo. Yeah, right. Nope, nope, nope. We've got that. Well, we've got the ladies gear here and it's awesome. Yep. Agreed. Bringing back the polo combo. I, know, I got right? it. Yes. I got it. Yes. Hey, do either of you still uh, have your OU polos? Yeah, I have all of them. Yeah, I, I do. I do. Have, yeah. Do I actually wore my OU shirt yesterday. <laughs> can yeah. you still fit in them? I can't. And I threw mine out. <laughs> uh, you know, it might be a little stretched, but we're, we're good. <laughs> no. Still in there? Yeah. Yeah. No. All the polos went out. Yeah. Last last question. Uh, you both are in incredible stadiums, especially when packed and, and lots of fans. If there's a stadium outside of the one that you go to on a regular basis that you could go see a game at, where would it be? And this is I'll start because this is going to be crazy, right? Mm-hmm. It would be the Rose Bowl. I've never, <laughs> I've never ever, you know, been there. But one, you, you know, mm-hmm. I, I want to go there. I want to attend the game there. You know, growing up. I remember watching on TV, you know, Vince Young and Reggie Bush. That really got me started with college sports. You just watching that game was was crazy. But then, you know, obviously the Buckeyes been there so many times. You have to watch it. But I've never been. So, Brian, I, I'll, I'll take you up. I'll, I'll, you know. Come on out. You always, Everybody has an open invite. So come on out. Seriously. Um, uh, and it's great to hear that because it is a special place. Um I, for me, I, it's funny because I'm a little old school. I think in some ways college football is huge for me. Um, you know, I've done the baseball thing when I worked in MLB um, and they're great and all that. Um, but for me, I would say, I, I, you know, I, I really also depends on the, on the, on the atmosphere. Now I love UW, University of Washington, but I, I, I'm going to lean towards uh, the big house. And uh, going out to Michigan for that Michigan Ohio State game this past year was just awesome. So to be at something like that, um, there's second, there's nothing like that. So other than here at the Rose Bowl, so come on out, come on out, Rashawn. I expect you You're next. You're doing year. great, Brian. Until you yeah. said that, I know. Right? Doing great. <laughs> I know. He right? said that he said that just because Ohio State's playing in the Rose Bowl. Yeah. That's why. That's why. Look, exactly. uh, we were doing. I thought we. I thought we were yeah, here, right? and then now it was I'm a question. I'm questioning. It was a great game. I like the shoe, but the uh, the big house in that game that was that was kind of that was special. Laura, we'll save that one for the next episode. Someone else can get that question. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Rashawn, Brian, really, really appreciate all your your uh, insights, perspectives, 
uh, on the fundraising world and, and everything else that we, I feel like we, we covered a lot of topics today. So um, appreciate the time on, on season two of Life After Court Street uh, with the Ohio University Sports Ed Program on Life in the Front Office podcast. Thanks, guys. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys.